0: Welcome to the patreon exclusive content this is episode one of the patreon exclusive content so it's paired with uh zero episode zero of the podcast so thematically we're going to be talking about a brief introduction uh, beginnings the start of things inception conception nascent whatever developing but we're also just going to show you what the format of the patreon exclusive content is which is free form no script no editing Uh, Aside from maybe mastering and just video um, color corrections and stuff like that. And uh, it's just a conversation between myself, your host, Timothy Jew, and your co-host, Servando Uh, Casillas.
1: Servando (laughs) Casillas.
0: Yes, sorry sorry if I stole that from you.
1: You're good. I Um, didn't know if you are going to let me say it or if you wanted to say it.
0: Yeah, that was my bad. I just like talking too much. Um, So we're going to start off with a brief introduction of each other um and the introduction doesn't have to be anything it's just whatever we want to say um so let's see how narcissistic we are my name's tim <laughs> uh i am the founder of this podcast and the startup and whatever is associated with this and um in general i guess people would just call me a really big nerd even though i'm a small person so that's yeah y- y- you agree with that um and as far as just introductions go, I guess I'm an avid learner. I just like learning and like distributing like information and ideas with people. I'm a debater on the personality quiz thing. You know what I'm talking about? And so I like I like debating <laughs> and uh, being the devil's advocate. <laughs> anyway, Servando, take it away, my friend.
1: Okay. Yeah. My name's Servando. Um yeah, um co-host. We've known each other for how many years now? We are yeah, we in jeez, don't do that. What it's dude, been
0: It's gonna make me feel old. 2019, 2019 to 2023,
1: four years, dude. Four years, dude, like almost on a dot. Wow. I feel like we probably met around January. That's insane. Um uh, yeah, uh I live Pretty small town. That's why we're kind of having to do this w- weird Zoom format instead of actually getting together. Yeah, uh, I live in Colorado though. Born and raised here. Um, yeah, I, I to me, I, I'm like a student. I feel like I'm. I constantly have to be, um, doing something with school, or else I feel mm-hmm. like I am bored
0: dude yes
1: but i am not I, I feel like i'm not as good of a learner as you are i i struggle with material a lot but i like it i enjoy it um yeah to
0: me dude well that's basically Johnny. just servando and i completely reduced to that one sentence we are unidimensional there's nothing else to us it's just student for okay. Savando and learner for me so I
1: thought you're gonna say you're a unit
0: <laughs> <laughs> we are units that was oh, unit. no. okay well so um just to share the format of this podcast or the patreon exclusive content there is going to be one episode per podcast episode and we're gonna go off the general themes that are touched upon with each episode And only the first Patreon exclusive episode per season will be uploaded to all our platforms. The other five will be on our Patreon exclusive content. So, you can't get the rest without, you know, paying some money, some moolah. But, (laughs) hey, and by the way, 10% of the proceeds go to Children's Hospital. So, remember, you get to hear us and you get to be altruistic. You get, like... No aftertaste of guilt or shame or anything like that. Anyway, um, for the most part, we just talk about whatever we want. And then at the end, we'll start going off of like the themes of beginnings, because we don't want to be too heavy handed and we don't want to, I don't know. I like, I don't know if you agree with me on this, bro, but like the last thing I want is for this Patreon exclusive content to be analogous to like those life coaches. You know, those guys like what's his name, Jerry, whatever. Or he's like, Jerry, Jerry or Gary. He's like, he has like your voice, but like two octaves lower. And he's like, I woke up by four in the morning
1: and I, Are and you, I, okay, at okay. like three I, in the morning and like somebody like David Goggins.
0: Do you know yeah. That guy? Well, okay. David, David's pretty
1: cool though that guy says stay hard <laughs> that's his quote that's his quote. that's what he says no i agree so you and
0: i were talking about this before when we were trying to record this content but i just said that like if you look at the demographic of people who are life coaches it's like overwhelmingly white men and i feel like there's a reason for that I know I don't want to bar into like controversial topic like conversations, but go for it, bro. What are you thinking? What are you thinking?
1: Oh no, it just sound like you're being controversial. No, I was just gonna say we are no people to be given <laughs> advice. Dude, that's that's what I'm saying. Not it's because like... we're not white men, just because we have not experienced enough. I guess in that too. Opinion. I don't know, but I think. Well, also, I haven't succeeded. In my opinion.
0: this is my thing okay like the mentors that i respect are people that always constantly say they don't know and they constantly like express empathy like for instance someone that i greatly admire is professor luger like through and through dr (laughs) luger is an amazing individual and from my perspective of her and she never says like oh yeah life is like this life is like that life is like she's just like i don't know but like I I feel you when you're having emotions, you know, like, I think that's like, true mastery. Whereas, when you have people who are like, coming up to you and saying, like, I succeeded, and it's because I worked every day. And therefore, this is what you need to do to succeed. It's like, you really don't really take into account, like all the confounding variables that lead to success. And chris he was our guest for the second episode which we'll go over but he said that he was in like a class for a group like interview and okay. they basically like the questionnaire was like how much of the environment plays to your success like list a percentage of your indi, like your internal locus of s- control versus external locus of control and everyone put it down like 20% environment 80% okay themselves and Chris put it like at forty percent and I was like, yeah, I think like forty to fifty percent makes sense like
1: yeah, I would personally definitely put more than 20. It's like that's why you have those super rare instances of people that come from very difficult living situations and become extremely successful. That's why there's so few of them because yeah. And you look at the people who are kind of built up to have success, and but I think statistically it it shows that it it really helps to be in a certain situation and know certain people. I know, like we were like talking, like the the median household
0: income for a family of three going into medical school, like the medical students, is a hundred k for a household of three. That's like super rich like
1: yeah that's that's good money I think the average income in the United States in general is like 50,000 55 something like that um when you say a family of three you mean like mom dad like two parents and the kid
0: yeah okay. conventionally obviously there are yeah. variations oh, why do you look scared but but like this is this is my thing okay like i just feel like if you live in america first of all the the probability of you being justified in saying you're self-made has just depreciated to like near zero to me like if you're just born in america you're already so ahead of a lot of people Uh,
1: i see what you're saying
0: but even if even if like you are David Goggins, like let's say you are someone that really did overcome all the obstacles and you did become like self-made quote unquote. It's always better to err on the side of saying you weren't self-made. Like you're you're just grateful for the opportunities that have been afforded you. And like, you know what I mean? Like it just, it looks bad when like, for instance, if you're like a super talented dude, but you're like, ah, no, I'm not that talented. That looks way better than being like, yeah, I am super talented, and you're like, yeah, you can say that, but you're a jerk for saying it. I just want
1: you to, you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I don't know if, I don't know if you watch, you don't watch sports, do you? I, I watch sports, but I
0: have, I'm not in the zeitgeist as much as I'd like to be.
1: I don't know, do you know, Leo, I mean, all right, I'm going to ask this question, don't laugh at me. Do you know Lionel Messi? Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> okay. I just making sure that guy is they they say that guy is like literally one of one that nobody has ever been better than him and Mm. probably nobody will ever be better than him but the guy i don't know if humble's the right word because i feel like humble somebody who like openly is like yeah i'm okay
0: yeah
1: (laughs) he's just like he puts in the work i don't know how to explain it he's not arrogant he 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 could he could like be in everybody's face and be like, yeah, I'm that guy. What are you gonna do? I am a unit. <laughs> he is a unit. And yeah, I agree with you. It's pretty neat that he can be that that great at what he does and he's just like me. <laughs> I think there's a
0: difference between like feigning humility and being like confident. Because I think true confidence. Is humble.
1: I think that's what he is. I think he knows. Obviously, he knows he's good.
0: He's like what? I'm but the at the same talker? time,
1: he knows he doesn't have to like say or. He lets his or... action speaks for, for exactly. For, yeah. Well. And yeah. My actually, it's it's one of the rules. I don't know if I would call it a role but my mom has always told me since I was little. She's like. Basically, don't brag about yourself. Yeah. If if you're gonna be have some good some sort of good quality, kind of just do it. Be good at it, and if, if you're that good, people will notice and people will say it for you. Yeah. And if they don't say it, I oh, will. You don't need to be going around uh, being like, oh, I can, I'm this or that.
0: I also think it's just sort of like when you have people like Doctor Luger or any of the doctors that we know or professors or mentors like oftentimes dude the reason why they say i don't know that much is not because they're trying to feign humility but it's because they know so much they know like all the unopened doors that are still out there you know what i mean like for instance whenever like let's say like i play music right Mm mm-hmm and people say, oh, you're great or good or whatever. And I I always say, like, I'm actually pretty mediocre. And that's like an objective statement. Because when you are doing as much research as some people can in, like, how amazing some of these musicians are, like, um, Justin Schultz and Jacob Collier and, like, even, like, even, like, John Mayer and stuff like that. There's just so many Justin levels, Bieber. and Justin Bieber, dude, yummy sucks. I hate that song. <laughs> I like okay. objectively, it has a 0. 0.0 rating for me, but anyway. Um, all I'm saying is like when you do all of that research, and I would try to avoid hitting the mic because it's sort of like blown up, you're, hit h- you're hitting the desk. Oh, I
1: hit the desk, yeah, my yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Bad. but anyway you just know like for instance Servando, you're probably good at soccer but if i sure. said oh Servando, you're so amazing at soccer you're probably like one of the best you'd be like there's no way right yeah, like you I know laugh. you know Messi, right like you know ronaldo <laughs> there's you're a like,
1: league of professional players
0: yeah exactly so you know since you're so in there you know, objectively, like ah, I'm okay for my level, but
1: <laughs> I do all right. Yeah, like I, I'm,
0: I'm, I can hold my own in a game against yeah. middle-aged and, men or something like.
1: And they knew when you were talking about uh, Professor Luger saying that she's kind of like not. This is how life is. This is this? Is she's more like eh, I don't know. It's kind of. I don't know. Me, kind of laid back. I yeah. knew exactly what you meant. I was like, "Yeah, it's because she's seen so much, and she knows that there's so much that she hasn't seen." Oh. Um, and I get it. It's crazy.
0: <laughs> yeah, dude. I I just feel like when people say like, "You've you're a loser because you're a loser," it's like that's a very closed minded perspective of seeing things. Like for instance i i think i read a recent um i think i was told by a doctor that i work with that they're saying that 90% of people who are told to like you know work on diet and exercise to lose weight mm-hmm. do not end up losing weight like only like 10% of people and i could be completely misinterpreting the numbers or misreporting the numbers but regardless the general story is still there you don't have to extrapolate that much essentially what they're saying is what we're realizing is obesity is largely an environmental engine like in genetic factor it's like something that you really will have a difficult time overcoming and then there's like metabolic based surgeries or operations like um The gastric bypass surgery. Are you familiar with that?
1: I've heard of it. I don't know exactly what it is that they do. Don't they literally just make your stomach smaller and stuff like that? Yeah. Yeah. And people lose weight on that for the most part.
0: But like you ask them to work out and like exercise and stuff. And it's like, how unfortunate are those people?
1: Well, yeah. I think a lot of that goes exactly back to that first question about the environment. Yeah. how much of your environment plays in like your success. And a lot of people who I shouldn't say a lot of people, cause I have no idea. I don't have any research based off this, right. but um, I feel that people who like become extremely obese, they don't have a lot of time. They don't have great paying jobs and It just it's like one thing stacked on top of another and it's and that's what makes it so difficult for some of these people to really lose weight permanently. They live their living situation is just it's so hard. It's not just eat well and diet. It's they live a life where it's almost impossible for them to just be like, Yeah, I'm gonna go to the gym for a few hours today and I'm gonna go eat buy these foods just simply because a they might not even have the access to it and the time the income yeah that's
0: dude well well, i totally agree with you like everything compounds on itself like it's harder to work out when you're heavier
1: yeah and
0: you have you you're probably more likely to have like other comorbidities like anxiety and like knee damage and stuff like that and First of all, I would like to preface by stating that Cervano and I are not authorities on any of the topics that are going to be sp- yeah. spoken upon. But I know nothing. I, I think like w- we're both in the zeitgeist. We're sort of, and I don't know. Why I've used zeitgeist twice in this conversation. That's a very rare word to use. But we're both sort of in there with medicine, peripherally on the outskirts. Right, where we see it from the various positions that we've held and for me as a medical assistant when i interact with patients initially and i i want to sort of be vulnerable here bro every single time i saw a patient come in with the comorbidity of anxiety my heart just sank because i think there was because of the repetition of work you don't view patients as like people anymore you view them as like just like something to get through before the end of the day at least i started seeing myself go through that because every time a patient came in with the comorbidity of anxiety i was like oh my gosh like it's just gonna be so much more difficult than it needs to be like i'm just getting your (laughs) blood pressure chill out like it doesn't it, it might be elevated in office whatever and then as i started looking into it i was like these are like the way that I view patients and people in general now, if I'm like level-headed is like children. Like these were children that suffered some sort of trauma, wasn't able to cope with it. And life just slowly chipped away and started sanding them down. And now they're adults and they're dealing with all of the pain that they had to suffer throughout their whole life. I should be more empathetic and understanding. Like when patients come in and they're like, yeah i know i was supposed to quit smoking last time i just couldn't i like i think the natural reaction is like in your mind you could be like oh dude just quit like just quit but i have caffeine withdrawals when i don't drink coffee for some time i don't know how difficult it'd be especially if you're coping with some mental aspect you know what i mean that you're trying to wash away with nicotine i mean how do you feel about that dude like Just the judging aspect and environment and stuff.
1: So, yeah, I work at the lab in the hospital. And I go and I draw blood from patients. Yeah. Yeah, I draw a lot of patients. And, yeah, you know, there's when it's, like, busy and I'm just, like, literally I have a bunch of patients that I, like, need to get their blood, I do catch myself and I'm, like... (laughs) I feel bad because I I'm just, I'm just like going through the motions and I'm like trying to get it Okay, just <laughs> are you laughing.
0: I don't know, man. When I look at your face, sometimes I can't keep serious. You laugh at my face too when I'm talking sometimes. Anyway, yeah, as that's you were what saying,
1: dang, um, as you were saying, yeah, no, I I do catch myself when I'm like getting busy because yeah. I'll get the one patient that's like extra like upset that i'm there and i get it i ironically dude i hate getting poked by needles i get it
0: Mm.
1: and like i tell the patients that i get it but i don't think they mean like think that i mean it they're probably like yeah yeah whatever you're just gonna poke me anyways and i'm like i mean i have to but it i do feel bad and Mm. in those moments i do catch myself and i'm like these are people I mean, obviously I know they're people, but, and recently I had seen my grandma sick back in around Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. And if I'm being completely honest, I see a lot of patients that look how she looked. Mm. And when I came back ever since then, I kind of, I was kind of selfish, but I I view them kind of differently. I'm like. When I was with my grandma, I, like, believed everything that she told me. Mm. And I'm like, if she told me she was in pain, I was like, oh, man, my grandma's in pain. (laughs) And before, when you see so many patients, I I don't know if you feel the same way or if you see the same thing, but, like, you see so many patients that are in pain, and you're kind of like, not that you don't believe them, Mm. But you're kind of like, well, so is everybody else that's here. Yeah. Not the workers, obviously. I mean, the patients. And, but after I was, I spent a little bit of time with my grandma, I kind of came back and I, more empathetic. And I kind of like see my grandma and them now and I yeah, and it's selfish and <laughs> it feels so bad. But yeah, I get it. You just get caught in the motions, I think. And for me, like, these couple of things just kind of brought me back. And I'm like, oh, man. These people just like, I mean, they're people. I'm like, they're people. Yeah. I feel like I'm just keep saying the same thing. And then. No, but it's important. Do you get what I'm saying? No, dude, I 100%. I'm not saying I don't think they're people or do I ever forget that they're people. It's just you see so much of the same thing. And a, thankfully a lot of people get better they go to the hospital and they're there for a little bit and they get better and they go home yeah and so you see the next person with the same thing and I think subconsciously you're like you're gonna be okay yeah but sometimes you get patients who are really sick and you know it just doesn't go the same and it and in those moments you're like oh man you' be and slow down and just kind of Be more empathetic. Be nicer.
0: Dude. I First of all, I completely <clears throat> understand you. And it's not like, I think there's just like a layer of abstraction that occurs when it's a job. Like, you know, yeah. even like surgeons will view like patients as like sobs of meat when they're doing operations. <laughs> like you sort of just dissociate the person from the patient. And I know earlier, you, actually today sort of crazy but during um during uh clinic before i went to research and dude i have two stories today Mm -hmm. the research is completely regardless of this topic but this patient was being a jerk like and i'm normally i am like i can overcome that jerkness whatever it may be because i just like I have like a very bubbly personality at work, like super bubbly. And like most of the time, all of my patients will laugh. And occasionally there are patients that just you can't get them to laugh, but I sort of concede that because, you know, it's not a fun place to be at the hospital for a lot of people. And so I'm like, whatever. But there's certain people that are just like intentionally just rude. And this patient was just, it was rough, man. Like, and I wasn't, I wasn't mean or anything, but I could tell like my mood was sort of getting affected. And I was like, okay, well um, let me just quickly add these medications outside. Normally I'm going to add the medications inside, but I was like, I need just like a quick little second to recompose myself. And I think when I was out there, I was like, okay let me look through their story one more time. Right. And it was like recently diagnosed with lung cancer. And I was like, if I was recently diagnosed with lung cancer, sure. I would like to think of myself as someone that could overcome that and just be nice. But I mean, right now I don't need a, if I was in that situation, I wouldn't need someone to judge me for being upset. I want someone to be gracious and generous and, Like, I guess as healthcare workers, we need to put ourselves to better standards. It's not what's right. It's being right. You know what I mean? Like what's fair, it's you have to be fair. You know what I mean? Like just because someone's mean to you doesn't mean you can reciprocate with meanness to them. I mean, you could, but you shouldn't. And I think that like layer of abstraction with patients and people happens when you decrease the resolution that you're like living life like when you're just zoned out when you're like this is an eight to five this is not like me saving lives and (laughs) and dude phlebotomy like i'm i'm just gonna hazard a guess okay and you can tell me if this is true but is it often like the big guys like tough guys that are scared of needles (laughs)
1: I want to say it's pretty random. It's mm. I want to say, okay, if I were to take like 10 random patients, I would say probably eight of them are like, no. Six of them are like kind of like freaking out, like, oh, man, do we really have to do this? Mm. And I'm like, yeah, I know, I'm sorry. Six of those are them. Then there's two that are like, um, all right, Um, yeah, I guess let's do it. Like, they have no problem with it. They're like, sure, go for it. And then the other two are kind of, like, just very bubbly. Mm. Which is rare because it sucks to be there. Um, yeah. But, yeah, you, you can have um, people who you wouldn't think would be afraid of needles
0: who are. Is it harder for you to empathize with those
1: people? No, dude, because I... I, I hate getting Like, I mean it. I hate mm. getting poked. So I get it. And it... That part of the job is kind of rough because a lot of these people, you have to wake them up in the middle of the night. Yeah. And then it's like, it's that on top of half of the poke you. And that usually doesn't make people very happy. And I'm like, yeah. I know I wouldn't be happy if I was you. But...
0: I so we can talk about this on another Patreon exclusive content episode, but I want to just keep this in your mind because I think this is a really loaded topic. Yeah, but like just you having biases and like the importance of for me at least, I think it's really important to have a diverse healthcare because. Dude, I'd like to think of myself as completely unbiased, right, when it comes to people. But even when when I have like men that come in and they're like freaking out about like the most like for me sometimes like just the way that I was grown up with and like raised and by my parents, like man up. Dude, and I think that that's like a really scary thing is like i don't know sometimes i look at certain demographics differently even if i don't want to i just need to be like fully upfront and honest with myself like on my worst of days i will start treating people differently you know like if i see an elderly lady come in and she's like wearing her sweet little outfit and she's like all like scared and stuff i'll be like oh okay it's okay like let me just let's just take the time but if like a burly 30 year old dude comes in and he's like i am so scared of like i'll be like i'm sorry sir like like i'll still treat them the same but at the same time in my mind something goes off i think this is an important topic i'm not just trying to out myself in front of all the people out here but
1: i'll say one thing and that's the only thing i'm gonna say for right now i think humans are naturally biased and there's I think there's like scientific studies that say that, and there's like basically nothing you could do about it. Right. I, I think it's better if you
0: don't just say you're not biased, but to say, like, I am biased and I have to just be more cognizant of it while I'm interacting with people. Cause I don't know. That's a scary thing, dude. It's a
1: scary thing. Yeah. I feel like that could be a whole, a
0: whole yeah, thing. That- we, we have, we have plenty of podcast episodes to go over that. Um, but okay. So going into like environment and stuff like that, I guess, um, dude, something happened today at work or at research. Cause I'm volunteering at research right now. In addition to clinic,
1: mm-hmm.
0: I was so upset, dude. Like, oh my gosh. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm starting to get really comfortable in this research lab. Um, I think mm-hmm. I'm like a, the type of person to like, you know, try to run before walking, you know oh. what I mean? Like just, just try to like get real good and really quick. Cause that's just sort of like the way that I like tackling life. This, this procedure, 98% of it was really good. And then the very last step I zoned out and I didn't know what type of buffer I used. Cause basically we're centrifuging, right? And I don't know if I used the eluding buffer as the first step, or if I used the actual buffer that I was supposed to, but you know, eluding buffers strip the column of what you need. So I don't know if I just threw away all of the things that I was trying to make. And so like, I'm, I'm going to have to tell my, um, doctor that i'm working with like oh by the way like i th- think i did the right thing but i don't know for sure we'll proceed with the experiment but dude that made me think like i was just so upset with myself because i was like how am i supposed to be a doctor if i'm gonna do this with a chemical reaction because you know what i mean like 90 percent of the operation went well just the last step i nicked an artery like it <laughs> doesn't matter like that 90 percent doesn't mean jack
1: Bro, I, I guess that's why they have that saying nobody's perfect <laughs> that's because even even the best they make mistakes yeah and it's, I but I understand that feeling I hate that feeling I had this feeling not that long ago but what happened I'm not going to remember off the top of my head I remember like tonight at midnight But yeah, I had very similar something I did, and I just couldn't remember. I was like, did I do that, or did I do this? Oh, man. Yeah, that's rough. It's, or I don't know, maybe just repetition. Maybe, is that the first time you have to do that?
0: It was my second time, but I was so, I think it was because it was a repetition thing. That I wasn't thinking. You I, just, comfortable. Like, I just saw buffer and I was like, oh and then like I looked and I was like, Oh, there's a second bottle of buffer. Did I ju- did I grab the right one? Like Yeah, that's so I mean, frustrating.
1: doctors aren't perfect either, but I feel like they see so many patients and just dealing with so many things over and over and over and over. They just get they get good at it. Not not saying that they're perfect and they never make a mistake again. they're just certain things they get really good at dude well it's rough <laughs>
0: regardless of that negative side I wanted to ask you about like any fun things that happen with you in your life recently because every exclusive episode, we're going to try to at least highlight one fun thing that's happened within our week prior. I think that's also just a good exercise to stay positive and grateful. Not that that's like a metric or important objectively, but I, I like being positive, I guess.
1: Yeah. Um. So I have kind of a weird work schedule. Mm-hmm. I work seven days straight. I work at night. So I work seven nights straight and then I get seven days off. Yeah. And so these last seven days are my seven days off. Um, tonight's my first night that I go in. So I've just had basically a lot of time to do stuff that I needed to do. Basically like chores, that type of thing. Um, I, I don't know if you can see that TV in the back. Yeah. Um, I've been trying to do this project for a long time. So I'm pretty happy that it's, it's almost done. It's about to be done. I might be able to finish it here up in a little bit. Um, Basically that TV, we hung it up and I have a bunch of cables like hooked up to it. But all the cables were like running down the wall. I don't want to show you cause it's a mess. <laughs> um, And I have a PlayStation hooked up to it. I have, Apple TV, I oh, have man. a sound bar, and a sound bar, you know what a sound bar is, right? Like the yeah, long yeah, yeah. speaker. I had it just like literally sticking up like this, standing on the ground, because the cable wouldn't reach all the way up to the TV.
0: Oh, that's so jank.
1: Anyways, I have a friend who's an electrician. He came over and he helped me. There's a, an outlet that's on the ground, basically. We mm-hmm. moved it up behind the TV, so there's an outlet right behind the TV. Oh, nice. And then my dad has been telling me that he has these really nice pieces of wood that he got from his work. Mm -hmm. So we went over on Sunday? We had breakfast, and we went over to his house, and we created this shelf. So Mm. I'm going to put a shelf right under that, and I'm going to be able to put basically everything behind the TV on the wall, and that way it's it looks like there's nothing there. So that's pretty neat. I had time to take Nala out. She's pretty she's pretty exhausted right now. She's lying down and she's just out.
0: Oh. Nala's his dog, by the way. Oh yeah. She's not <laughs> just like a
1: person. <laughs> I guess that could be a person's name. Yeah. Um yeah, it was it was nice. This was how I, long uh, has uh, this project been? like
0: the shelf just the whole tv setup because now I, like
1: i set up that tv like a year ago
0: Geez, so it the, must feel I, really like, good I,
1: I mounted it on the wall like a year ago and everything has just been hanging Jeez. and i want to say not even that long ago a few months ago i was like i want to put that outlet but I also want the shelf and I kind of wanted them to be done at similar times just so I could just be done with it. Mm. And it was just kind of hard because my dad stayed in New Mexico with my grandpa. Mm. He was over there for weeks. And I just, I didn't want to mention the shelf thing to him just cause he's going through it. Um, and my friend, he just, just the schedules wouldn't work out either. I was busy or he was busy. And finally, out of nowhere, on Friday, was it Friday? Yeah, he, my friend came over, did, or Saturday, Saturday came over, did the outlet. Sunday morning, my dad was like, you want to do the shelf? And I was like, yeah.
0: Dude, perfect. And swing. now I just,
1: I went and I bought all like the brackets and stuff that you need to put into the studs to hang it. And I literally just didn't have the screws, got the screws today, and right now I'm just waiting on my roommate, basically, to get home so I can use some of his tools.
0: <laughs> dude. Might. Dude, that's so... It's nice to finally finish something, I feel like.
1: Yeah, no, it's... I'm happy because it's. that whole wall has just been ugly. Just and
0: been you're like pretty a... clean dude. Like, you're pretty... Yeah. I feel like it's... you don't like being unorganized and stuff.
1: Yeah, no, it's been unless... rough to look at. Jeez. I feel like it does not represent me the way I've had that well. Um, yeah, I'm pretty excited. But I was, that was pretty much... Um, oh, I was going to say one more thing. Yeah. Uh, at work, people have been sick just because it's that time of year. Yeah. So for the past few months, I want to say every time that I had like my days off, um, I was asked to come in to cover for people who are sick. And this was the first week that I wasn't asked to come in. So I had like my full, mm. full days where I just like kind of did what I wanted to do. It's pretty cool.
0: Dude, it's how amazing you? how much you like enjoy breaks <laughs> after you haven't had any, cause like, oh man. Anyway, um, so for my little highlight of the week, Dude, so the second day off of my training, and my training was terminated like four months early. So technically, I was supposed to have four extra months of training, but I finished training really quick for my medical training. assistant job. Oh, okay. And so the second day off of training, I ended up working with this like legend cardiologist in Colorado.
1: Can I ask what their name is?
0: Of me, But well, anyway. Um, Wait, don't answer that.
1: Is it a boy or a girl? Uh, boy. Okay, never mind
0: then. I, mean, I don't I want to say boy, male. Sorry. Anyway, whatever. Gender. So, <laughs> don't anyway, answer that. Anyway.
1: <laughs> don't assume they're gender.
0: I'm not assuming. Anyway, the dude, he was the first person to place a stent in Colorado. So <laughs> he's like. A legend and I remember it was my second day off of training we saw 35 patients that day oh, wow. and I remember he was like who trained you and I was like oh man and he was like this is not how you place an EKG let me put this on and I was like oh man I was just getting destroyed that day it was like one of the hardest days of work <laughs> at the clinic and I told myself I would never complain at this job and I didn't but that was one of those days where I was like, Oh man, I feel so just brutalized. Cause that was right off the heels of my med school rejection too. So like I was just really in the thick of it. And yesterday was the first time I worked with him. Um, After that, you know, day two of tra- off of training. And he was just like a great job. Like you've, grown a lot and like, you know, I mean, he didn't say any of that, but like, he was just happy making jokes with me. And like, he was saying like, thanks for working with us. And there was so much, first of all, I felt great because that meant that I was doing good by the patients, right? Like, Mm -hmm. but I can't just say that it was completely altruistic. There was that part of me that was like, just, you know, completely elated. I was like, ah, I did it. Like. I was preparing myself for clinic the day before I was reading over all the charts over and over and over again, just so I remembered every single patient and every single thing that the patient like had all the relevant testings. I was like, I refuse to, to like be worse than I was on that day.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And dude, he, he's such a cool dude. You know, like, I'm not going to lie. Like, my real reason for being a doctor obviously is to like help people and stuff, but there's a lot of helping factors. And one of them is just the fact that doctors are so cool, dude. Like he just walks in, he's 75 years old or something. And oh my gosh, dude, the amount of respect everyone has for this dude. And he's just like, He's just like chilling. It's, oh man, he's so cool. And he's so sharp. Like, you look at his eyes and you know, like, that brain's working at like 5,000 miles per hour right now. Like, it's just, dude, it's so nice. cool.
1: That's neat. I, yeah. I know I've had a similar feeling, not with doctors, just with staff in general. And it's, yeah, it feels good. Cause you probably felt like you were like, he doesn't need to be watching me i can kind of do this right yeah. or like he doesn't have to worry that i'm gonna do this yeah again yeah and you think, probably felt the same way you were probably like I, I got it yeah and
0: i think there's just there's something so satisfying like truly satisfying of just being good at what you're doing you know what i mean like you're a phlebotomist But, like, you're good at sticking in the needle, pulling it out. Like, whatever you need to do, you're just good at that. It's
1: probably so (laughs) sad. What are you laughing at? You clown. (laughs) Yeah, no. I am. Yeah. I I really do try to be good. Just because, one, it's good for the patients, obviously. Yeah. And, two, you know, staff that you work with is just happy with you. They don't have to struggle with you if if that's the right word i feel like it's a little harsh but
0: i agree like if you're not productive you're a strain and like that's just a horrible feeling
1: and i have there's definitely times where patients are just they are hard to like some people just really hard to find their veins Dude, yeah. I feel so bad because, like, the nurses are like, well, let's see if we can help you. And I feel, I really do feel bad. But sometimes they just, they need certain tests done. And if, if I can't do it, I'm like, I can't find it. I'm like, I, and I do feel bad. And I really try not to be in that boat. Yeah. Because, yeah, it's. <laughs> so I get. It feels really good to be able to go in and kind of do what you need to do and be done and not have people waiting on you, basically.
0: Dude, it does. But that, that comes from doing something for a while. And this is a well, segue. Yeah, well, this is a segue to starting because we're talking about after we've started and we've been doing something for a while and getting better but now let's talk about beginnings because this is where we're thematically touching upon episode zero of the yeah. escapees podcast. So I think there's such a duality with beginning, right? Cause like it's exciting, but it's also, it can be traumatizing depending on how you're starting it. Right. So, I mean, I guess, what's your take on the topic?
1: yeah i i want to talk about because i i've only worked at this new position for like four months Mm -hmm. and so i work the night shift and i work i'm by myself i'm the only foot there at night at the lab and it's kind of nerve-wracking at first when you're being trained because they really put that into your head they're like you have to be basically good and know what you're doing because you're alone you know, everybody else is sleeping. You can't just call somebody. During the day, there's a bunch of people there that you can just ask. Or or if you mm. can't find somebody's veins, there's other people. You can be like, hey, I, I wasn't able to find veins on this patient. Can you guys go look? And to me, that was like, even to this, I feel like even now it's a little bit nerve wracking, but luckily I've, I've got to do it for a little while. And then I'm a little bit more comfortable and it's just, Beginnings are kind of overwhelming. When I first started, it was that on top of, you know, I've never really done dealt with like providers and tests that they wanted to look at. And I guess technically it's not my job to know why they're testing, but I'm just a curious person. Yeah. So I like, I don't ask the providers. I don't ask the nurses. I ask um, the techs who actually do the blood testing Mm. because they have, They've been doing it for years and I, it's just so much information. I think that's, what's daunting. The initial, it's like you're walking in and it's like a wall of water Mm. (laughs) and it's like, can you navigate this? And at first it's like, Oh, I don't know, (laughs) but it's like exactly what you just said. It's, you got to just, do it and do it and do it and do it. And for me, I didn't know if, <laughs> I'm feeling like there's a, a lot of people like me. I ask a lot of questions. Yeah. And I tend this day I ask questions. And I've been doing this for a few months now. And there's so much stuff that I do some stuff I forget. I'm not gonna lie. And I, I would much rather ask and get those like, dude, are you serious? I'd rather yeah. ask and then tell me but then, you do something wrong to the patient. Yeah, exactly. Jeez. Exactly. Not ask and then... and Or that or have... I really try to keep... Poke people as the minimum that I can. Yeah. So I, I really try not to make mistakes and I have to poke them. One time I felt so bad. I wasn't paying attention. I was just in that routine. And I was drawing a specific set of tubes. And I go back to call it receiving the tubes and you have to like scan them and it has like the patient's information (laughs) and the computer is like oh you didn't scan this tube and I'm like what tube and I look at the orders and they needed a different tube and I was like oh man luckily this patient was extremely nice and understanding I was like I have to poke you one more time because I forgot to get this tube I wasn't looking and so I really try not to do that um beginnings are daunting i i think starting is what's hard once you're in it it's you know you just keep swimming i guess <laughs> it's like getting in the water i don't know if you've ever gotten in cold water mm, like then, a lake yeah once you're in you're in it's like what you're just gonna sit there you're gonna swim
0: <laughs> i agree with that but but. Uh, For me, I don't think beginning is hard Okay. for me. Like, I love the fact that like, I'm starting a new thing. Like it's, it's sort of like a challenge that I want to overcome. Like that's like sort of my mindset. What's hard is before you begin. I think that that's really hard for me because, you know, you know, when we were applying to medical school or doing the MCATs or whatever before applying before studying for the mcats before starting that was like the heaviest part of my thought processes right because i was like why am i starting because i know if i start i'll go Mm. like it's sort of just like muscle memory like you just sort of grit through the pain but why am i starting like do i have a proper reason to go through this and like you ask any sane person aside from like finances right because you're like oh just to pay the bills you're gonna go through training for phlebotomy and you'll have like a comfortable source of income people will be like fine for the money if they need the money but if money was not involved how many people of the population do you think would be like okay yeah i'll just go through this especially with medicine there are sort of like very heavily friction saturated like pursuits. People are mean. People are real. People are cranky. Like you're not gonna see the you're gonna see the best of people, but you're also gonna see the worst of people. I feel like, and so like, I don't know. This might be like sort of a heavier concept question, but like, what do you feel like about? before beginning. And whatever you want to take from that you can, but like before like beginning. thinking about beginning. Like let's say for instance, we just recently graduated. Not recently recently, but recently graduated.
1: 2 years ago.
0: Yeah. 2 years. Jeez, man. But when we did graduate, we had to start looking for jobs. We had to start going back into it. And for me, that was a very rough time for me because my immediate thought was, I'm continuing. I'm not starting anything. I'm continuing. Or at least maybe I am starting medical school, but that was my idea. And when I realized, oh, I'm not starting medical school, I'm going to be in this limbo, transitory place before starting medical school i was like oh my gosh like it just it's rough like how how do you go through that like because i know you've gone through it i'm not saying that because i'm talking for servando i'm saying it because servando and i've literally talked about this topic uh, quite a few times and so i mean i don't know do you feel like starting is more difficult than being in that transitory space that transition
1: like yeah Mm. okay i have like an example right now that we can use me retaking them cat. yeah would you say i'm in that transitory space Oh heck yeah! Because once
0: you start taking, when, once you start studying for the MCATs, you're there. I feel like you're just you're in the moment. Like it's rough, but it's not much of a mental battle. It's just like you're going through it.
1: So for me, like right now, it's just like non-existent. I don't struggle with it. It's there, mm. I don't struggle with it. But then the I guess, I don't know what you would call it. The idea of starting is like hard.
0: So that, that, that means you are but there. To, you... But,
1: but to me, it's like, if I use that analogy, to me, it's like st- starting to study again for the MCAT to me is analogous to like jumping into the cold like which is equivalent of starting something yeah no it's like you're 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 here there's this line of like actually me like actually buying books and starting to read starting to take practice questions and practice exams and then there's like a whole process that starts at this line to me crossing this line is what's hard not being on this side of the line or really even being on this end of
0: the life. So, so pre-starting is hard because I feel like once you start, it's fine, right? Because like, for for instance, for me, I guess, yeah, pre-starting. Analogous to the swimming, right? Like I, I think we're talking about the same
1: thing. We're just working it we are.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because for me personally, like if I saw a swimming pool, right? And I knew exactly. it was cold. My mind would probably default to why am I jumping in this pool right now and subjecting myself to this initial fright, like this initial cold? And if I know the reason why, as in, oh, it's because I'm going to have fun and I'm going to live my life and just work out a bit and like, whatever the, the purpose may be, then that makes me be like, okay. And then I just jump in. And then when I'm in there, I'm like, I don't really care at that point. It's cold, but I already went through all of that battle in my mind before. It's what that if you- that process before, you know?
1: What if you already know why you're gonna jump in? Just, it
0: just—it sees- seems
1: daunting. Cause I know why I have to study for them, cat. I know why I have to retake it.
0: Yeah, I think it's the reason why I say it's pre is because you have to think of all of the possible, like the, all the potentials. Like, for instance, when I'm applying to medical school again, right, and it's upcoming this May, the reason why I find it daunting is not because I don't know why I want to do it. But I'm trying to think of every single thing that could happen as a result of me starting. Right. What's how cold is that water going to be for me? Right. Like. How many kids peed in that pool, whatever it may be. (laughs) i need to really think about that and that's that's the difficulty it's not necessarily i guess knowing why but it's more of like you're right bracing yourself for that cold you know it's going to be cold you know what aspects are going to be nice and what aspects are going to be rough for me the thing is like can i handle that brief period of just not hearing back from any medical school again and being in the exact same situation again Because when I was waiting for those med schools to reply to me, it was one of the worst experiences of my life because everyone kept on saying, oh, you're going to get accepted into medical school. Oh, it's going to be like, oh, oh, oh. And then five months passed. And I'm like, I still haven't heard a single reply. And everyone keeps saying like, it's obvious. And you know what I mean? Like, and given the fact that there is this precedent for failure now, The second time feels way more rough because like, despite the fact that I feel like I've improved myself so much as a person. And I feel like that initial failure was really necessary for me to really understand what the purpose of medicine is and what the purpose of my life is. Dude, knowing that there is a potential, that there is a possibility of me having to apply a third time. And in addition to that, having to retake the MCATs with that application because my MCAT will expire around that time. After spending two, three years of work building on my resume and gritting my teeth and you know, like pushing myself and growing as much as I can. After all of that, that water seems frigid cold. And I think, you know, once I start applying, I'm going to be like, whatever. It's just like, like I'm forced into the situation. So I don't have to make a choice. I'm just literally in it. But it's like that before period where I'm like thinking, oh my gosh can I handle how cold this is going to be? And I think the same thing is for you. And I don't know how much the context changes because for me, when I failed, I got, I failed like closer to that starting point. or like to starting medical school. And I don't know if that makes it more rough or less rough than for you, which you were like, like you were close, but you weren't as close as I was. And so I don't know if it's like the taste of victory was like closer for me. And therefore it was like, it feels so much more gut wrenching. And even the fact that I got accepted into an interview past the interview. And then they just said that they didn't have enough spots that year. Like, if you think about how close I was, I was probably like 200 people away. Max from starting medical school and being on my career. I don't know if that's more rough. Than what you went through, which I think was extremely rough, and I, looking back, I feel bad for it because, not that like I feel obligated to be there for you, but because you're your own person and you can do with whatever you want to go through. But as a friend, I felt bad because I think there was a lack of empathy or relatability on my part with you because you took the MCATs. I can't relate. see a sucker no i'm just <laughs> no but when when you took the mcats i didn't necessarily like i was just like oh it's okay like just do take it again like everyone would say but then as soon as i felt like oh no i have to redo my application too i immediately felt like way more in tune to how you felt i feel like where i was like oh my gosh this is what this bro was going through you know it's tough I mean do you think do you think your experience was worse than mine or
1: personally no I think I'd be a little bit more
0: see that's hard I think both of them are rough in their own way
1: for me it's probably just extremely biased I would have rather got rejected not at the MCAT, but at the actual application interview that makes sense Just because i'm like, well, the MCAT's done my gpa done I could just try again
0: I think that's where because for me i'm like, oh, oh My mcats done with my me? GPA's done i'm screwed like how much more can i better my resume before applying again you know what i mean like and dude i'd much rather try to bump up my gpa than try to get work experience that's so difficult to apply to like 15 jobs get one response back and then realize that it wasn't compatible or something that's so devastating anyway so I guess the last thing that i wanted to sort of touch upon is that servando and i along with our friend khaled we are starting something with this project and i guess i will go over the reason why i'm doing this project and then you could go over the reason why you're doing the project um and then khaled his his viewpoint will not be shared because he's not here and we're not going to speak for him but i think Analogous to what I was saying before, I think understanding the reason why you're doing something is so important because you don't want to live life without like being absent-minded, you know, just like, oh, I guess I'll go through this and I guess I'll do this. Like you sort of just I feel like it's better if you figure out like I this is the purpose, this is why, or at least this is a close enough estimation to my purpose this is why right because like not to go into quantum mechanics and string theory but it's like called the perturbation theory where like you get an average and even if you add like incremental steps the average is pretty or the estimate is pretty accurate i think it's the same thing here like The reason why I started the podcast was because I wanted to, first of all, donate money to Children's Hospital because I volunteered at Children's Hospital and I realized that given the constraints of my resources, namely time, I wasn't able to volunteer at Children's Hospital anymore, but I wanted to still be a part of that because, you know, in general, I feel like children it's rough seeing them in the hospital for me like it's really really rough and like i think that's the reason why i don't think i could be go into pediatrics because i think my emotions get too involved there but you know when you deal with these things and i think healthcare as like something where you're afforded a lot of a lot of like gifts and blessings You have to be healthy you have to meet a minimum threshold of intelligence on average you have to be more rich or at least you have to have more resources available to you to sustain this type of journey the mcat isn't cheap it's 300 bucks studying for the mcats isn't cheap that's like another thousand bucks or whatever like you know what i mean like there's so many things and having access to really good mentors like there's so many things that we take for granted to become doctors and physicians and healthcare workers. And so I feel like when I look at patients like children's hospital or the patients in children's hospital, these are people that weren't afforded those blessings. Like kids that didn't have the opportunity to have the life that I was able to have because they were just born with unfortunate circumstances or whatever. And I feel like it's, it's natural for buildups of energy to distribute, like entropically, it's like, it just seems natural. Like you build up resources and then you distribute those resources. It feels good. I feel like that's why it feels weird when you see people who grotesquely hoard all the resources to themselves and keep hoarding it. Like it just feels unnatural. It feels gross. It feels like there's some sort of violation of law here. And the podcast was able to... First of all, donate money to Children's Hospital. But secondly, I think that I've had the great fortune of being able to talk to a lot of professors and brilliant minds. And I think it'd be waste if it was just, if it just ended on me. And although I'd like my best or try my best to proliferate that to all the people I talk with, the podcast offers a better platform for me to share that with a lot of people. Like the words that Dr. Luger says, They're amazing words, but how many people get to hear them? Not that many. This podcast helps share that. Same thing with Servando's words. Same thing with my words. Whatever you get from our words, I'm not saying they're amazing, but it's it's a really cool thing to have this resource available to us, which is the internet. And I think it'd be a shame if we didn't use it to better help people. So that's why I decided to do this podcast. That's the reason why despite the cold water, I decide to jump in and start this. And that is why despite all the obstacles and steep learning curves that Servando and I are going to have to learn in order to make this a successful venture, I I wholeheartedly will pursue this because there's something deeper than money for me here. In fact, money is a residual. It's like a latent... Product. What's really important is I think the vision, I guess. And I think it's very consistent with my pursuit of medicine too. So anyway, I think that's why I wanted to go over this beginnings thing. Servando, I've been meaning to ask you this, because I sort of roped you into this whole process, but I never really understood why you joined. Well, it's not, I didn't understand. But rather, I never explicitly asked you why, and you've never explicitly told me why. I don't know if it's obligation out of friendship or whatever, but (laughs) we're just something to do. But I, I genuinely wanted to know why you decided to not only be a part of this podcast, even though you don't listen to podcasts, first of all, and second of all, that you're willing to start this merchandising thing with me because... That means more money generated for children's hospital. So uh, why, what's your reasoning, I guess, for starting?
1: Yeah. Um, so I was fortunate enough to be a part of the engineers in medicine, the club, where we got to do the children's hospital project and we got to build the cart, and I, like you said earlier, and I, I meant to ask you during the actual talk sounds like you were on the same boat as me pediatrics are rough I, I was talking about how sometimes you get in like the habit of just kind of going through patients and you're kind of just like just trying to finish your job but never once have I felt like that with a pediatric patient man that's rough I always sympathize and it's Being part of that children's hospital, I felt pretty lucky because uh, I hope it brought a lot of joy to, or some joy to a lot of children. And you asked me if if I wanted to do this where we could potentially get some money for for that children's hospital. I just, I feel like you touched on this when you were talking. For me, it doesn't feel fair that I get to realistically, I have a great life. And I see these kids who I mean, who am I to judge, but they've never done anything wrong in their life and they have to suffer. And so if there's even a small chance that this helps them, I'd I'd be very lucky because that would make me feel very happy. I yeah, I'm nobody to be judging anybody. But I feel like children specifically, I think it hurts me the most to see them sick and in pain because they haven't done it wrong in their life. And it's it just kind of isn't great to see them in pain. It just doesn't make sense. So um, that's my main reason. if if we could help those kids by doing this, that would be really wonderful. Um, And also, (laughs) you told me that I guess some people listen to how me and you talk on these podcasts. (laughs) I guess they like us. I guess they they think we're funny or something. I don't know. Um, Yeah, if if it brings joy to them or if, if we give any sort of value to people who are like, struggling it's pretty neat
0: dude i think it is pretty neat i mean we have like 30 episodes of just yeah. you and me talking Jeez, i don't know
1: what we're gonna do with that but i know to me to me it's just like me and you talking but you said some people think we're funny or i don't know exactly remember exactly what you said or if they found value in it or-
0: I don't don't think they found value in it but I think they thought it was funny dynamic
1: I want to touch on I do not listen to podcasts I don't think I've ever listened to a podcast you should um, but I will say I watch YouTube videos and for me on my free time I watch YouTube videos and they make me like happy I don't know why I can tell you why or what it is exactly Mm. but it sounds like some people listen to podcasts and have the similar feeling how I feel when I watch YouTube videos. It's just like they relax, or it's like they're, it's their me time. They're, that's what they like to do.
0: Yeah. And it's sort of like you're growing. I think that's the, not to yeah. generalize, but like podcast listeners tend to be more of the cerebral. Parts of the yeah, population. That's fair.
1: They're giving actual information. um
0: Yeah. Not saying that YouTube can't give information. But oh, dude, I love YouTube. Like Veritasium. Have you ever? Or like, Mark Rober. Mark Smarter <laughs> every day.
1: Oh, I like those guys too.
0: Vsauce. Hey, there's
1: Michael a, here. There's a, there's a lot of really cool YouTube channels, and I and I I'm not gonna lie. I watch I watch a lot of different stuff. I can watch that type of content where it's like just interesting and cool and kind of related to what I've done in my education. And I I like cars. <laughs> um yeah. I didn't. Know. So in general, why <laughs> I decided to do this is just yeah. one, to put it simply, mainly to help children at the children's hospital and, and mm. two, if people actually listen to this and we bring any sort of value or comfort. Um yeah. That's basically why? well here's
0: to starting a new chapter thank you everyone for listening to the first episode of the patreon exclusive <laughs> <What are> you... <laughs> you're welcome oh, man. oh my goodness anyway um yeah i hope <laughs> you all are set up for this journey um we have a lot of things planned in store so that we can just make a bigger impact and um thank you for starting it with us um we're really excited at least i am and i'm gonna collectively speak for the team so thank you all and hope you enjoy